0: This is SB Nation Radio.
1: The next generation of sports radio. Kelly's going to run right. He hits the goal line. Does he break the plane? He does! Touchdown, Oh Miss! This is college football game day. Slappers
2: is in the shotgun. He takes the snap. He runs to the left. It's a sweep. He's to the
1: four, to the He's three. In. He's in. Touchdown, Michigan! Here are your hosts, Rich Sermonello and Joe Lisi.
3: Will Ralphie be running later tonight with a marquee Pac-12 battle, Washington State and Colorado, Week Number Twelve of the college football season? Doesn't get better than this. Rockin' Rich Sermonello, there's a game of enormous proportions in Boulder, three thirty p.m. later today.
4: I-, I love this matchup, Joe. Uh, you know, you have the upside-down Pac-12. Nobody expected Washington State to be on top of the North. They're the only Pac-12 team that hasn't lost a conference game absolutely nobody, even including in Boulder, would have expected Colorado to be on top of the South, but that's exactly what we have right now. So who is the true contender for a Pac-12 title? I love this matchup uh, at Folsom Field today.
3: I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's a, a contrast in styles for the most part. You have a high octane offense led by Mike Leach in the Washington State Cougars, 7-0 and in the conference. If they win this ballgame, they'll move to 8-0 with the Apple Cup next week against arch rival Washington in that battle and then you have a blue collar team in Colorado led by their head coach Mike McIntyre that has done a fantastic job with this program I mean it doesn't get better than this it's an intriguing battle and we're gonna break this game down a little bit later in the show stay with us for the next two hours Rich and I have a great show planned for you today Ten thirty one Eastern time we'll be joined by ESPN radio host from Baton Rouge there's a marquee In the SEC between LSU and Florida We'll be joined by ESPN radio host Matt Muscana We'll get his take about the LSU Tigers He'll be on the sidelines We'll get a weather report We'll break that game down with Matt A little bit later in the show at 10.30 11 o'clock Eastern time We'll have a former Wazoo player Eric Coleman Former Washington State safety and NFL safety And Pac-12 analyst break this game down with us And then 11.30 Eastern time time. We'll be joined by former Georgia wide receiver Corey Allen. We'll get Corey's take about the other big games within the SEC. There's an SEC East battle between Missouri and Tennessee that could have huge implications for the volunteers. Should Florida drop that game earlier today in Baton Rouge against LSU, we'll get Corey's take about that matchup and the other battles within the SEC. If you want to talk college football with us, give us a call. That's 844-843-6879. You could tweet me on Twitter at GoForTheTwo. That's the number two. You could follow Rich on Twitter and reach out to him at Rich RichSermonello. That's C-I-R-M-I-N-I-E. LLO. Rich, there was a huge battle Thursday night between Houston and Louisville, the fifth-ranked Cardinals looking to take their record uh, in week number 12 to possibly uh, one loss on the year where their only blemish was on the road against Clemson, but they got dominated, dominated by Greg Ward Jr. and the Houston Cougars sacking Lamar Jackson 11 times in that battle. Houston rolls to the 36-10 victory at home and really shatters Louisville and Barbie Petrino's hopes at making the playoff. Very impressed with not only the offense, but the way Steven Taylor and that defense brought it to Lamar Jackson and the Cardinals offense on Thursday night.
4: The one that really stood out for me, Joe, was Ed Oliver, the interior lineman from Houston, a true freshman. You know, I, I've been talking all year that that he's going to lead the freshman All American defense in 2016, but I think he's actually playing like an All American, regardless of class. And this Houston team, so demoralized after losing to Navy, after losing to SMU, obviously all of their goals, all of their dreams in 2016. Those have vanished, but now they put all of their energy, all of their speed into stopping Lamar Jackson. Just a phenomenal performance, and now it really throws the Heisman into complete uncertainty. I mean, the odds, I think, were literally 1-50 to heading into this week that Lamar Jackson would win the Heisman now after that performance not all his fault but after that I think it could open the uh the door for other contenders yeah I'll bring that up in
3: one second there are a couple of points though I want to bring up about the game overall I think we see now why Tom Herman was such a a hot commodity even though they had two losses uh on their resume this year uh looking for Tom Herman's uh, possible, will he be coaching somewhere else? Because you see the offensive ingenuity and how he has his teams prepared in big, big ball games. The other factor I want to bring up is, now you see the difference of why Louisville wasn't in the top four. A difference between possibly the two teams in conference, Clemson and Louisville. And I talked about this earlier about why I felt Clemson was a more complete team, because in my opinion I thought Louisville revolved so solely around Lamar Jackson, can't take away his athleticism. I mean, the man was 74% of the total touchdown production for the Cardinals overall, but Houston took him away out of that ball game, and you saw his inability to distribute the football to the rest of the playmakers on that offense.
4: Yeah, and and really, nobody should be floored by the outcome. I thought this game would be close. I didn't think Houston would win because I was concerned about the shoulder of Greg Ward. I don't know how much his health was going to factor into the outcome. But, Joe, you know, we, we saw it against Duke. We saw it against Virginia. We saw it last week against Wake Forest. I mean, that was a 12 nothing lead from the Demon Deacons. The score was misleading. Obviously, Louisville took flight late in that game in the fourth quarter. I think it was 44-12 to was the final score. But the Deacons were step-for-step step with Louisville. So that team has been up and down. They've been challenged all year. Now they went on the road against that speedy Houston defense, the speed on the offensive side for Houston. And they were completely schooled. And now we forget about Louisville in terms of a, a playoff bid. And it helps to elevate other teams like Washington that are trying to work their way back into the top four.
3: That's a great point. And I brought up both quarterbacks because I, in my opinion, a- entering Week 12, I still think that Deshaun Watson is a more complete quarterback than Lamar Jackson overall. And I'm not taking away from Lamar Jackson's athletic ability, second to none. But I just think as a quarterback overall, Deshaun Watson is a more more patient quarterback. He is under uh, able to understand his reads and progressions in uh, in terms of the, the pocket passing game. And if you take a, a factor of his game away, like if you concentrate on taking away the read option in terms of the rushing attack, he'll sit back there and he'll distribute the football to his playmakers to make that offense not one-dimensional. Whereas Lamar Jackson wants to create on every single play. He's only a sophomore, and I think that's the difference when I look at both of these quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, both of these teams overall, why I felt that Clemson was deserving of still a higher ranking uh, above Louisville. Because I felt like that team overall revolves solely on Lamar Jackson. If you take him away in some aspect, whether it be in the rushing attack, he's not patient enough as a quarterback to just sit back there and take what the defense gives him. He wants to create and force too much, and in, in that type of game plan, played right into uh, Houston's defensive strengths.
4: Yeah, and to your point, which is a good one, Joe, I think the best is still ahead, obviously, for Lamar Jackson. Just two years removed from high school, he does lean on his athleticism, which is off the charts a little too much. But with Bobby Petrino by his side, with that offensive staff, Garrick McGee by his side throughout another offseason, I think you'll see him to continue to progress into 2017. I have long compared him to RG3. If you remember Robert Griffin at Baylor, early in his career, very similar type of player. Raw as a passer, leaned too much on his athleticism, but evolved as he got deeper into his career. And that's what I expect to see from Lamar Jackson in 2017 and beyond.
3: Yeah, now when you look at the Heisman Trophy overall, I mean, he was such a, a, a prohibitive favorite to, to win the award and how he started this year. I mean, I still think he's the frontrunner right now, but here's what I feel like entering Week 12. I have a Candidate, and I know you have a candidate overall. Uh, sh- should it play out the rest of the way where they can possibly steal the spotlight from Lamar Jackson because they might be conference champions? And uh, my guy is Luke Falk. I, I want to get your take on who you think is a possible dark horse to steal the Heisman quickly.
4: Well, in terms of dark horses, I don't know if there's a real dark horse, per se. Luke Falk is an interesting one. I'll go with Baker Mayfield, only because I think that he hasn't gotten enough credit in terms of what he has meant to this Oklahoma offense and this Oklahoma rise. Veteran doing a great job with D.D. Westbrook, putting up the requisite numbers. If they finish without another loss, and they win the Big 12. I think Baker Mayfield, at a minimum, has to be in New York City in early December.
3: We'll come back. We'll continue this conversation. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live from New York, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Stay with us. Back on College Football Game Day live from the Fantasy Sports Radio Network right here in the Big Apple. Some big 12-30 games and 12 o'clock games in the ACC and Big Ten. Let's jump right into it, Rich. Intriguing battle between Iowa and Illinois. Iowa getting the victory over second-ranked Michigan last week, 14-13. to I think the trend continues this weekend on the road in Champaign. I really like the way the Hawkeyes are running the football. They pounded the rock against Michigan, rushed for over 100 yards in that battle. Averaging 153 yards on the ground I really think they wear down Illinois on the offense and defense lines today And dominate this matchup by about 17 to 20 points
4: Yeah, I, I agree, Joe I, I think what impressed me most last Saturday was the defense Which has been inconsistent all year Despite the fact that they have talented individuals Like Desmond King on the back end Jaleel Johnson, Josie Jewell at linebacker this is a team that has a lot of veteran talent. They finally showed it last week. Now, I, I think they're going to have a difficult time getting up for champagne at 12 o'clock after last week's big win over Michigan. But based on talent gap alone, I agree. I think they wear them down at the line of scrimmage. Uh, Illinois is done for 2016. Yeah,
3: you look at Illinois; they're giving up 210 passing yards per game, 209 rushing yards on the ground. Again, I just think Iowa way too much physicality. Now, uh, Illinois did lose this ball game in Iowa last year, 29 to 20. So it was a very close game. But I think on the road, C.J. Bethard and the crew keep the momentum rolling and win this ball game by double digits. Another intriguing battle is Wisconsin on the road against Purdue big favorites by 28 points in West Lafayette I just like Purdue to keep this game close because it is back-to-back home games for the Boilermakers for the first time since week number three every other week they seem to show up I think they can move the football on Wisconsin but in the end whiskey wins about a 13 to 17 point game in West Lafayette later today
4: the one thing I've learned about the Badgers this year is, Joe, I've been waiting for the letdown for the, yeah, you know, they played so many big games. They just don't have a letdown in them. They're so consistent in terms of defense. Defense, defense, and a little bit of running of the ball. So, I think at some point it could be it could be close early, but at some point they separate in the second half.
3: Now, this game was
4: seventeen
3: points last year. They got a twenty-seven to ten victory over Purdue in Madison. Will it be as close as it was last year in two thousand and fifteen? We have to see. I have to keep an eye out on uh, Hornerbrook and Bart Houston. The Wisconsin offense playing very well. Keep it where it is. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello Fantasy Sports Radio. Network coming right back.
1: You're listening to College Football Game Day on SB Nation Radio. Here are your hosts, Rich Sermonello and Joe Lisi.
3: Live from the Big Apple Fantasy Sports Radio Network, right here, College Football Game Day. Rich, When Rich and I left, we were talking about Baker Mayfield and Luke Falk as possibly stealing the Heisman at the end of the year for, from Lamar Jackson after that disappointing performance last week in Houston, 36-10. to 10. Here's my theory about Luke Falk overall. I mean, as of right now, he's completing 73% of his passes over 3,000 yards, 33 touchdowns, six interceptions, Rich. But if they somehow pull out the victory today against Colorado, knock off Washington in the Apple Cup, and then win a conference championship, and he puts up dynamic numbers, how can't you at least invite Luke Falk
4: to New York for a Heisman invite? Oh, I I think you'd have to at that point. And I think what we've learned over the past few years, Joe, is that Voters, the discriminating voters, they really wait until this time of year before they formulate an opinion. It's not so much about September, even October. Once you get into November and championships are being vied for, uh, both national and conference championships, now are the key games. The weather has started to change. The best will rise to the top in November and early December. And for Lamar Jackson, All he has left is a game against Kentucky. So while Falk would be playing, as you mentioned, UW possibly the Pac-12 South uh, champ after that. Colorado today. Lamar Jackson doesn't have any marquee moments. The concern that I have about anyone from the West Coast is I realize that there's unfortunately a big cross-section of voters that probably haven't seen a single Washington State game this year, so he's going to lose a lot of appeal from those voters who have been sucked into Lamar Jackson really since the beginning of September.
3: And the the, the caveat with that will be. It's a Mike Leach uh, offense. It's a system type of quarterback. I understand sure. all of that. Let me just say this. I'm not trying to take away the Heisman from Lamar Jackson in any way, shape, or form, but that performance last week, Thursday night, did open up the door. Now, if Michigan didn't lose to mm-hmm. Iowa, my guy would be Jabril Peppers, but again, he's a defensive player. He needs all the help he can get. They need to really win the Big Ten title now. He's a guy that if he takes over today in the in, in, Ann Arbor and dominates Indiana and then they dominate Ohio State and then win the Big Ten championship game and he puts up dynamic numbers offensively and defensively I might change my opinion but I think that you have to mention Luke Falk as possibly one of the guys that nobody seems to be talking about at this point in the season yep
4: Yeah, no, I I agree with you, and it's so tied closely to winning, especially if you're a quarterback. It's like a a pitcher in baseball. Wins and losses are tied to quarterbacks. And if you could be the Pac-12 champion from Washington State, first time they would have won a Pac-12 championship in over a decade, I think that could elevate him quickly. And again, I think things are going to change rapidly. I believe that voters are looking for someone at least to contend with Lamar Jackson. You mentioned Jabril Peppers. Michigan-Ohio State could be a determining factor, not just for Peppers, in what he does next Saturday, but also JT Barrett of Ohio State. That's a great point. I was going
3: to go there with JT Barrett because he's an under-the-radar guy that nobody seems to be uh, talking about, and he's leading his team. I mean, they're putting up dynamic numbers over the last couple of weeks. 66 points in back-to-back games, over 60 points. I mean, this is a dynamic offense by the Buckeyes. This is the time of the year when we talk about awards overall, and there is a holder award. I don't know if you knew this, the Peter Mortrell Holder award and one of the semifinalists is akron's kyle foster they sent me the video rich i'm going to put it up on twitter he's an athletic holder he's one of the best holders in the country he's got a five minute video up on youtube i suggest you go to my twitter page i'll put it up a little bit later today the kyle foster uh video for holder of the year i love this stuff this is what makes college football great did you have a chance to look at the video rich because i'll tweet it to you a little bit later
4: I'd like to see it. I haven't seen it, but Mortel, you're talking about the punter from Minnesota. uh, Really interesting kid, really engaging personality, and obviously he's trying to bring more attention to other special teamers.
3: We'll see how that plays out a little bit later in the year. This is the best time for college football. We'll turn our attention to a marquee battle in the SEC. It's a 1 o'clock kick. It's in Baton Rouge, LSU, and Florida. Florida wins this game. They win the SEC East a lot of pressure on this team, Rich, but I don't think they have enough in the tank. I think LSU dominates this game. More importantly, I love the way the offense and defensive lines are playing under Coach Ogeron. They're averaging 267 yards on the ground since he took over the reins, and in the back end, led by Dave Aranda, that defense holding opposing quarterbacks, 55% completion percentage, only three passing touchdowns, six interceptions over the last five games. I'm sorry, I think they have way too much athleticism, and they really bring it to Florida today. I'm calling for the 35-10 to 10 victory in Baton Rouge. LSU rolls in this one at 1 o'clock between Death Valley.
4: Yeah, we're, we're on the same page with this one, Joe. I have it 27-10, to 10, so we're in the same neighborhood. I, I don't see where Florida is going to get consistent offensive production. They haven't all year. I don't expect that against the LSU defense. I have another worry in this game for Florida, which is they're banged up defensively. Very good D, but banged up defensively. Now you have Leonard Fournette and Darius Geis going up against a couple of true freshman linebackers, David Reese and Kylan Jackson. They've been filling in, played very well last week, combined for 19 tackles, but I think they struggle against that physical, deep, diverse LSU running game. So I agree. I think it's LSU going away. And then we start talking like, you know, I mean, Ed Orgeron has done a really nice job here. I wonder if if they pull the interim tag at some point and actually give him a shot as a full-time coach. Well, I think you would hold back the reins until you see how it plays out. They still have to
3: play Texas A&M next week after Thanksgiving, but again, I think this is one of the best teams in the country, peaking at just the right time. Now, when you look at the matchup overall Mm -hmm. against Florida, since two thousand. Eleven uh, LSU has won four of the last five by 12 points per game. And here's the one uh, down thing, down fact, or MO of Florida that I don't like heading into this matchup. You look at the two road games that they have played of significant importance in the SEC. Road game in Neyland Stadium where they jumped out to a big lead, 21-3. to three, Could not hold that. Lost that by 10 points. And then they went on the road to Fayetteville and laid an egg, 31-10. to 10. Their only uh, road victory on a neutral field, site came against georgia when georgia was struggling in uh, in terms of offensive production they went on the road against vanderbilt and won that ball game 13 to 6 so this hasn't been a very good road team within the conference now the only saving grace you might say is that this game isn't played at seven o'clock tonight under the lights in baton rouge But I still think LSU has way too much physicality. I look for Arden Key to step up and really bring it. I think Florida's offensive line is in for a long day in this matchup.
4: They've had a long year, that offensive line. and Obviously, Joe, they've, they've had issues at quarterback. You don't know about the health of Luke Del Rio. Austin Appleby is a journeyman behind center. On the LSU side, on the back end, I love that secondary, Tredavious White, Kevin Tolliver, Jamal Adams, all of whom will play in the NFL. So I couldn't agree more. I would be shocked if Florida finds a way to win this game. And then and then it opens the door for Tennessee. We've forgotten about Tennessee uh, throughout the second half of the season for good reasons. But Tennessee obviously has a chance now to go through the back door and face Alabama for the SEC title. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Matt
3: Muscana from Baton Rouge will be breaking this game down with us. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello. We'll talk about this matchup. You look at Florida. They're only allowing 13 points per game, 111 rushing yards on the ground, and 155 passing yards per game. Stay with us live from New York City, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Back on College Football Game Day live from the Fantasy Sports Radio Network right here in New York City when Rich and I left off talking about the big games in the ACC and the big 10 at 12 o'clock. Another ACC battle that we didn't get a chance to touch on. Miami and North Carolina State, Rich. Intriguing battle, but I like the Hurricanes here. They're averaging 260 passing yards through the air. The way you have to attack NC State is over the top. Their secondary giving up 245 passing yards to opposing quarterbacks. I look for Brad Kaya. I look for those running backs of and Walton to break out today. And I think Miami gets a convincing double-digit victory later today in
4: Raleigh. Uh, Joe, I think this game will be much closer. I I don't think that Miami necessarily has the talent gap on NC State, particularly on the road going into Raleigh, to to blow out the Wolfpack. Wolfpack needs this game. They need this game in order to have a shot at the postseason. Big game for Dave Doran. He needs to get this team into December, still playing uh, next month. But I like the way Miami has been playing the back to back wins over Pittsburgh and Virginia, getting it done on both sides of the ball. You mentioned Brad Kaya. He has been more consistent. Assistant: Amon Richards, true freshman wide receiver, a name to watch. He's become a big play threat for Kaya, stretching the field, allowing those backs to have more running room. So I think Miami wins, but I believe it's going to be a much closer game.
3: Yeah, I think it's a double-digit victory. I know North Carolina State got the uh, solid victory in the Carrier Dome last week. They've bounced back from that emotional loss to Florida State, twenty-four to twenty. That was a solid road win, even though Eric Dungey was banged up in that battle. But again, I just I look at the speed of Miami in this matchup and I think they could put a lot of pressure on the perimeter of NC State's defense. They've played very well this year, but we'll see how that game plays out at 12:30 later today. Here's another intriguing battle. It's a 3:30 uh battle. It's between Texas Tech and Iowa State. I like the way Iowa State's playing under uh, Campbell, Matt Campbell right now, and I like the quarterback pro- progression of Jacob Park. I'm calling for the upset here. I'm not sold on Texas Tech. I Iowa State gets the upset at home in Ames later today.
4: That's a very heady pick on your part. I totally agree with you. This time of year, I like to look at those teams that they're not playing for the postseason, but they're young. They've got a young coach. They're really trying to get on the tarmac for next year. That is Iowa State. I think they win this game against uh, Texas Tech, and they have played very well in the second half of the season.
3: We'll come back. We'll talk about this game and the other big game in the Big 12, TCU and Oklahoma State. Keep it where it is. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, Fantasy Sports Radio Network, live from the Big Apple.
1: You're listening to College Football Game Day on SB Nation Radio. Here are your hosts, Rich Sermonello and Joe Lisi. Back
3: on College Football Game Day right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. An intriguing Big 12 game between TCU and Oklahoma State. We're waiting for ESPN radio host Matt Muscana to come on the line and talk about LSU in Florida. But this is an intriguing battle because Oklahoma State controls their destiny, Rich, in this battle. It's on the road in Fort Worth. Gary Patterson very successful when coming off a bye. I like TCU here because I I really think their defensive front seven that has recorded 34 sacks, puts a lot of pressure on that offensive line that has allowed 27 sacks on the year for Oklahoma State.
4: We're in agreement here as well, Joe. I, I... I think this is going to be a very entertaining. Obviously, we know it's a meaningful game because Oklahoma State is trying to stay in the Big 12 race along with Oklahoma and West Virginia. But for me, TCU coming off the bye, you've had two weeks to heal this time of the year. Very important. Uh, number one. Number two, they're coming off their most impressive victory of the season, 62-22 to 22 over Baylor, you talk about the line play. I love the defensive line of TCU. You've got Josh Carraway, James McFarlane, Aaron Curry in the middle. So they're beginning to play better. Kyle Hicks on offense running the ball. Oklahoma State does not have a good run defense. I think it'll be competitive back and forth. But in the end, at home, I think TCU ends Oklahoma State's dream of a Big 12 We'll title. get back to that game, but we'll turn our attention to the marquee battle
3: in the SEC in Death Valley, 1 p.m., Eastern Time later today, what better way to break this game down than with a man that's piped into the Baton Rouge community, he is the voice of the Tigers, he's the radio host of ESPN 104.5, he's a good friend, after further review, you've seen him on Gridiron now with Tony Barnhart, I want to welcome in my good friend Matt Moscona from ESPN Radio, Matt how are you today?
0: Joe, I'm doing great, man. It's great to chat this Saturday morning.
3: What's the weather? Before we even get into anything, what's the weather out there in Baton Rouge? And more importantly, what's the sentiment surrounding the Tigers and Coach O entering this battle against the Gators later today?
0: Well, weather's beautiful, man. I'm actually driving into campus right now on Nicholson Drive. It's 57 degrees, and there's people – there's not a cloud in the sky. It's sunshiny and beautiful. And as I'm driving in, people holding up parking signs are, are wearing, you know, uh, ski caps and long sleeves, man. Fifty-seven in South Louisiana is like a uh, it's like a winter snap, <laughs> but uh it's, it's a beautiful day. And the sentiment about Coach Joe, man, he's he has gained so much more ground in this effort to be the head coach than I ever would have thought was realistic, Joe. The what what Ed Ogeron has done so brilliantly, aside from win and open up the offense and all of those things, is. He's he's done all the things to tug at the emotional heartstrings of, of the LSU community. He's welcomed former players back to practices and on the the Tiger Walk as the team walks to the stadium down Victory Hill. He's welcomed former players to do that every week. Um, he he even the, even the the golf shirt that he wears in all of his televised interviews is a logo that has LSU stitched in the outline of the state of Louisiana, which is something that. I've never seen any coach or anyone ever wear before. He's, as a Louisiana guy, he stressed the culture of LSU in Louisiana, and that has caused fans to rally behind him in in large numbers.
4: Hey, Matt, Rich Sermonella, let's keep it on uh, Coach O. Uh, What will it take? I mean, is it a case of needing to win today and beat Texas A&M? Is it wins and losses, or does it come down to who is actually available to the administration a couple of weeks from now?
0: Yeah, it's it's probably the, the latter, Rich. I if I'll put it to you this way, this is my feeling on it. Jimbo Fisher is Joe Oliva's number one. He was Joe Oliva's guy last November. They did not have a plan B. And they're gonna make a run at Jimbo again. And if Jimbo Fisher wants to be the L S U head coach, Jimbo Fisher will be the LSU head coach. But if Jimbo says no, I think what this pat these past six weeks have done for Ed Ogeron have ascended him into that next group after Jimbo. And that would include names like like Mike Gundy or maybe a Larry Fedora. Um, and truthfully, considering Ed has sat in that chair and done the job for seven weeks and done it better than anybody realistically thought he, he could have, if Jimbo Fisher says no, well, I, I think Ed Ogeron gets the job. I really think it's that simple at this point.
3: Matt, when I look at this football game overall, I mean, the one thing that's impressed me, and it it impressed me on the road in Fayetteville when they rushed for 390 yards on the ground against the Razorback defense, is the the physicality that you've seen out of the offensive line now. I mean, they really played with Alabama toe-for-toe, blow-for-blow in that matchup, and I really believe, in my opinion, that this team feels that they are, one of the top teams in the country. I think they dominate today. I mean, uh, because of the physicality on the offense and defensive lines, what has Ed Ogeron done in terms of that aspect, that the offensive line just seems to be playing lights out?
0: Honestly, Joe, a big part of that is the competition. Uh, I, this is a very good offensive line. I mean, you look at a guy like Ethan Posick, who's you a know, Remington Award uh, semifinalist, you can look at, at a very talented five-star like Mayate Huma, who started his entire career here at LSU. There's talent on that offensive line, and they were... That wasn't the problem early in the season. The problem early in the season was trying to strike any, any semblance of balance. Um, I think what's helped the offensive line, what's helped the offense, is since Steve Ensminger has taken over as offensive coordinator, and Danny Etling, of course, has been inserted as the starting quarterback, you've seen more balance in the offense, which you just didn't see with less Miles. You were going to see more 65-35 run pass. You're seeing more of an even split, especially on neutral downs. And it's made LSU more unpredictable. It's made the running game that much more effective. And, of course, you've seen the emergence of Darius Geist this year as well. as a very nice compliment to Leonard for that.
4: Matt, you mentioned Leonard. That's exactly where I was going to go next. He's uh, he's as good as anyone, even with one bad hoof. Not 100%. Yeah. and We know that. But how... How far below 100% is Leonard right now? And what do you expect from him? Because Darius running so well, it's not like you need to pound him 25 times a game.
0: And I think Ed Ogeron understands that. And honestly, guys, if if you go back to after the Auburn loss and, and when Leonard was injured again, um, you will see a very noticeable decline in his attempts per game. And people around the, the program have, have whispered that you know Team Fournette, meaning Leonard, his family, went went to Les Miles even before he was dismissed, and said, "Hey, look, we understand he's got a future. Let's let's not jeopardize that. You know, there's so many talented guys on the on this roster, and and I think Ed Ogeron's done a good job of that. Now, to what percentage Leonard is right now? I mean, I don't think Leonard will disclose it fully until after the season. But what's so noticeable? Is the lack of the the burst, the breakaway speed? Now, when he took a month off and then returned for the Ole Miss game and ran for 284 yards, you saw it. I and mean, he ran away from Ole Miss's secondary. That was as close to 100 percent as he had been all season. And then, of course, he he got a little dinged in the Alabama game, and then, um, you know, unfortunately, a couple of weeks ago as well. So I, you know, I um, I, I hate I hate to see it for Leonard. It's I would have loved to have seen that guy at 100% all year to see what kind of damage he could have done on the LSU and SEC record books. As it is, he's he's not the same guy he was a year ago and that I I just I know whenever he is 100% and he goes into the into the NFL, he's he's that transcendent type talent and, and he's going to be a special one to watch and we'll all wish him well, but you know this will be his last game in Tiger Stadium obviously.
3: Matt, I've heard reports that Luke Del Rio might play in this game. Everything I read, though, is he's downgraded to, and not expected to play at all. Is he even going to shoot up in this ballgame?
0: Well, Joe, I, I wish we had uh, done this about an hour from now because I'll be actually in the stadium on the field for, for pregame warm-ups, and I could, I could tell you that definitively. I haven't heard anything about Del Rio playing. Everyone I've talked to at Florida this week has all said that That will be... And quite honestly, they like Appleby's ability to run a little read option and maybe make some plays with his feet against the LSU defense. So I I don't, I don't know definitively, Joe. I wish I had a better answer for you, man. But I, I, I tell you what, when I'm in the stadium in about 30 minutes, I'll shoot you a text and tell you if he's even out there going through warm-ups.
3: Not a, prob- not a problem, my friend. I know you're on your way to the stadium. Enjoy the day. Thanks for the great information, Matt. We hope you enjoyed it today.
0: Absolutely, guys. you will be well.
3: That's ESPN Baton Rouge radio host Matt Muscana, 104.5 in Baton Rouge, has a great show after further review. When Rich and I come back, we'll break down the top 25. Stay with us. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello. Back on College Football Game Day, right here in the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Rich and I were talking about the ACC- Big Ten battles, early kicks. I'm coming up with an upset special. Rich, UConn on the road in Chestnut Hill later today. The Huskies view this game as a rivalry game. They're catching eight and a half points. Bobby Diaco and the boys, with their rush defense only allowing 134 yards on the ground, play toe-to-toe with the Eagles and upset Boston College in Chestnut Hill 1 p.m. later today.
4: It's an interesting rivalry. For those of us in the Northeast, I know people around the country may not be able to appreciate it, but Connecticut and Boston College is a good rivalry. They tend to go after the same players in states like Connecticut and Massachusetts and New York and New Jersey. So I think this will be a spirited battle. The issue that I have with UConn is what has happened to the offense. I I had such high expectations for this program this year because they were returning so many starters on uh, both sides of the ball. Brian Sheriff, the quarterback, was back. But they have disappeared just three points in the last two games, obviously a pair of losses against Boston College. I would expect to see the same. I don't know if they get out of double digits today. It'll be ugly as heck. But I think BC survives, and uh, Steve Adazio lives to see another day. Well, here's the
3: thing about their offense. They never had a high-powered offense, even with sheriffs. They were always a run-heavy offense that had to get into low-scoring games. That was their MO. They couldn't stretch defenses vertically. It's just that they have no semblance of a passing game. Consistency-wise, yeah. they're throwing for more yards, but it's coming in, in glops when they're playing catch-up. So it's a little bit different type of offense. with sheriffs this year. Running attack hasn't been as consistent as it was last year. They're only rushing for 123 yards on the ground. They're only averaging 16 points per game. But I do think they get the upset. The last two times these teams played was back in 2004. BC picked up a 27-7 to victory uh, over you. UConn at home. They're playing 12 years later. I look for the Huskies to get the upset a little bit later today. Another uh, intriguing battle. It's in the ACC. It's a 3 o'clock kick. Duke and Pittsburgh. I like Pittsburgh here to re—not to rebound, but to keep the momentum going. They dominated this matchup last year over Duke by double digits. When we come back from break, Rich and I will be talking about this battle. I mean, a monumental victory in Death Valley last week, forty-three to forty-two over the Clemson Tigers. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello. Keep it where it is. Fantasy Sports Radio Network coming right back.
1: You're listening to College Football Game Day on SB Nation Radio. So... Well. Here are your hosts, Rich Sermonello and Joe Lisi.
3: Live from Rock and Rileys right here on the Big Apple Fantasy Sports Radio Network. After Matt Moscona left uh, or prior to him coming on, Rich and I were talking about the big battle in Fort Worth today for Big 12 implications between Oklahoma State and TCU. Rich, I really, really like this TCU team. I, they're fighting to become bowl eligible. They're 5-4 and four overall, but I think they have a significant offensive advantage here year with their offensive line they're rushing for 196 yards on the ground oak state allowing 196 yards on the ground even though they've dominated this matchup since 2011 they're three and one over tcu and have won those games by 18 points per game to me i think it comes down to the defense a little more aggressive and physical in the horn frogs i think they get a double digit victory later today.
4: Well, again, I, th- I think we're in agreement, but you might be a little more aggressive than I am. I, I think it's a close game. I I'm expect an aggressive this to guy. be a back-and-forth <laughs> you are an aggressive guy. You've been a little <laughs> aggressive in the studio today, to be honest with you. Um, but but I I, I think it's going to be high scoring, both teams in the 30s. Uh, Mason Rudolph has played exceptionally well. TCU has had problems on the back end in pass coverage. That doesn't bode well against uh, Jalen McCleskey and James Washington. So Oklahoma State will have success offensively, but I think TCU will as well. Expect to see a heavy diet of Kyle Hicks uh, between the tackles. Uh, Vincent Taylor on Oklahoma State is a phenomenal interior lineman. He's just not getting enough support. So uh, the line play is going to be key, better on the TCU side, especially defensively. I think the Horn Frogs win, Joe. Everything is pointing towards them finishing strong this year, beginning today. If Oklahoma State gets out of Fort Worth with a victory, I'll be very surprised and very impressed. Well, they do
3: control their own destiny, and this is a team where everybody's talking West Virginia, everybody's talking Oklahoma. I mean, they lost to Central Michigan. I mean, I understand how they mm-hmm. lost it, but they've rebounded. They, I mean, the. But they were in o- that game, though. They no, were in that game. No, I agree yeah, with you. But this is a yeah. team that nobody yeah. seems to be. I mean, it could come down to the Bedlam brawl, where Oak State runs the table, and then mm-hmm. has to face Oklahoma, and then if they knock off Oklahoma. Well, then forget West Virginia and Oklahoma is a playoff contender. You have to turn your attention to right. the Cowboys. So, I mean, I expect them to be in this game. They have two of the best wide receivers in college football and Jalen McCleskey. He's only a sophomore and James Washington, a dynamic duo that have caught 118 passes, Rich, 1,852 yards, 16 total touchdowns. They love to start fast and put pressure on the opposing offenses to match them score for score. The one thing I look at when I look at this team over. Overall, plus 8 in turnover margin, it's all come at home this year. Plus 10 at home, minus 2 on the road. You know on the road you need to be able to win the turnover battle and run the football effectively, and that's another reason why I like TCU. Coupled with the fact that the game is on grass, Oak State not used to playing on grass, and I have to double-check,
4: I do believe it's their first game on grass this season. Mm. It's an interesting fact. I'll I'll also say that you know they've been survivors i, I mean I, and i have to give a lot of credit to mike gundy and his staff they've won close games but you know, not impressive against Texas Tech last week, Joe. Won by a point, uh, missed extra point late in that game, could have gone to overtime. They win it 45-44. Week before that, against an average Kansas State team, have to rally to win. So again, I give them a lot of credit for finding ways, but this has not been a dominant football team. They haven't been controlling games and controlling opponents, allowing 81 points in the last two games. For me, that one of the big question marks, a kid who has not impressed me this year, Joe, I don't know how you feel about him, but Kenny Hill on TCU very erratic very inconsistent the quarterback transfer from Texas AM if he plays well I think that bodes even better for TCU this afternoon I agree with you very incon I think he's another quarterback that tries to force the
3: issue instead of giving taking what the defense gives you on in terms of underneath routes and coverages he likes to force mm-hmm. the ball into into coverage and and sometimes that leads to interceptions and incompletions and puts you in third down and long situations so that was his problem at Texas a a M. He started fast and then once defenses got the M.O. and they took away the deep ball from him he didn't want to check down on, in terms of the short to intermediate routes and always wanted to sh- strike fast and throw it over the top so I agree with you. I think he's ha- if he can get the, b- the ball moving in terms of the read option on the edge of uh, Oklahoma State's defense in this matchup I think it'll be a long day for Oklahoma State but I'm still sticking to my gums. It is Oklahoma State's first yeah. game on ground this year. I'm calling for a double-digit victory. They're laying six and a half at home, but I still think they win this matchup. 13 to 17 points uh, later today.
4: It's a 12 o'clock kick, but I feel strongly about TCU in this matchup. One quick point before we move on to another game. Cavante Turpin, arguably the most dynamic offensive player in Fort Worth. Finally fully healthy, had the two weeks off, so the wide receiver, he could support Kenny Hill today, could also help the special teams. Cavante Turpin, keep that name in mind this afternoon.
3: Bring it up. Here's another intriguing Big 12 battle. It's Kansas State and Baylor. Kansas State coming out of a bye week. They have not played well this year. I mean, they're fighting to become bowl eligible. Baylor will start. Zach Smith, who got in against Oklahoma after Seth Russell dislocated his ankle, but I still think think this is a bad matchup for Kansas State. Baylor slight underdogs. Jared Stidham broke out in Manhattan last week against uh, last year, excuse me, against the Wildcats. I think it's a scheme and a speed perspective. Baylor rolls in this game by double digits.
4: Well, I I disagree. I I, I don't know what to expect from Zach Smith. I'm familiar with his high school career. I think it's interesting for Baylor that they have a chance to audition him uh, for what will likely be a new head coach next year. Tough matchup, though. Your first start of your career, true freshman against K-State's defense. That, to me, is a problem. I think Bill Snyder finds a way to pull this out and become eligible. uh, You're you're all over Kansas State this year you know that's where we're
3: I love uh, defensive teams I'm an old school guy you're an old I'm an school old guy I Joe. know well when you look at the numbers Kansas State averaging 31 points per game they're giving up 24 points to opposing offenses Baylor averaging 38 points per game giving 27 points to opposing offenses we'll take a quick break stay with us Joe Lisi Rich Cerminello. Back on College Football Game Day right here from the Big Apple. A quick weather report, Rich. I'm going to give you a chance to change your opinion. In Ames, 25-mile-an-hour winds. Does that affect this matchup? Texas Tech and Iowa State later today. I'm all over Jacob
4: Park and the Cyclones later. No, I like Iowa State as well so I'm gonna stick with it I, I I just don't I don't like one-dimensional programs I uh, love Patrick Mahomes think he'll make a really good quarterback on Sundays he just doesn't get enough support he's getting nothing defensively they don't run the ball effectively but as I mentioned earlier Iowa State is the kind of team that you could see that they're still excited about finishing this season strong for first year coach uh, Matt Campbell playing well on both sides of the ball you mentioned Jacob Park Joel Landing they'll mix in on the ground, they've got Mike Warren on the ground, uh, maybe a little bit on the outside to Alan Lazard, so I like Iowa State I, I really uh, think the Cyclones finished this year strong. And not to get into too much of Iowa State, but I will
3: say the former transfer from Georgia, Jacob Park, will be a star in that league of the Big 12 I could see the progression, I mean he is playing very well under Matt Campbell and stretching defenses vertically, that's just my personal op- opinion, he is only a freshman, so keep an eye out for that Let's turn our attention to this battle this is a very intriguing battle Maryland and Nebraska I think Nebraska way too physical On the offense and defense lines I know they haven't played well in recent weeks But I don't think Maryland matches up To the physicality I look for Tommy Armstrong and that offense To break out in this battle I think they win this ball game by about 24 points In Lincoln
4: yeah, Huskers 6-0 and at home, coming off a, a nice, impressive, important win over Minnesota last week in which Tommy Armstrong heading into Saturday night was a bit of a question mark as to how he would play or whether he would play, actually perform very well. Nebraska getting healthier. I like Jordan Westerkamp, their wide receiver. He's finally at 100%. So I, I agree with you. A really nice season by Mike Riley. Needed to have this this year and has bounced back very well in Lincoln. And there's optimism
3: with this program, where last year they wanted to run him out of town. He's rebuilt their confidence, not only in the players, but around the, the campus, those people that and the fans that want to go to the games have optimism heading into 2017, and that's the most important thing when you look at this program overall. Big expectations for this program in 2017. You look at their offensive production this year, 28 points per game, very balanced, uh, passing for 214 through the air with Armstrong rushing for 186, and defensively, very solid in run support, only giving up 141 rushing yards on the ground. We'll take a quick break. Stay with us. Joe Lisi, Ritz Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
0: This is SB Nation Radio.
1: The next generation of sports radio. Kelly's going to run right. He hits the goal line. Does he break the plane? He does! Touchdown, Oh Miss! This is College Football Game Day.
2: Peppers is in the shotgun. He takes the snap. He runs to the left. It's a sweep.
1: He's to the forward of the He's three. In. He's in. Touchdown, Michigan! Here are your hosts, Rich Sermonello and Joe Lisi.
3: Back on College Football Game Day right here from the Fantasy Sports Radio Network in New York City. We're waiting for former Washington State and NFL safety Eric Holm to join us to talk about that marquee battle in Boulder later today between Washington State and Colorado. Rich and I just broke down a big game in the Big 12, Oklahoma State and TCU. We'll keep it where it is in the conference with a marquee battle. Baker Mayfield and Oklahoma on the road later tonight, 8 p.m., to face the 8-1 Mountaineers. Rich, Oklahoma's won uh, the last four against West Virginia by 10 points per game i think dd westbrook and baker mayfield have a field day against west virginia secondary allowing 253 passing yards to opposing offenses this year
4: yeah baker mayfield has done a wonderful job dd westbrook should win the bolitnikoff award i expect him to be an all-american this season has uh, helped his draft stock as well but i, I think what we I uh, fail to realize sometimes this, too. The offensive line, which was a problem in September, has begun to gel, playing really well, blocking for Joe Mixon and Samage P. Ryan. Defense has gotten gradually better. Now, the secondary is a problem. Front seven has played much better, Joe. I am a little bit worried about the back end against Skylar Howard. I think this will be a competitive game. Oklahoma is just Better right now. Oklahoma is better at the line of scrimmage. West Virginia is not getting much penetration on opponents. They're near the bottom of the country in tackles for loss. I think Oklahoma wins. I think it'll be close. I think it'll be exciting. The Sooners take another step forward towards a Big 12 title.
3: Well, I'm not sold on both of these teams. I think out of both of these teams, the only one I can make an argument for is West Virginia. Should they run the table to be a possible playoff team? I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry, Oklahoma fans. You had two opportunities to play top 25 opponents in Houston and Ohio State. You got blown out in both of those games. You need to win this game, but I don't think they're a playoff-caliber team, even though I like Oklahoma in this battle. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at the offense. Oh, I agree. I, I look at the offense. Here's the one problem I have with West Virginia in this ball game. Now, defensively, they play with a, a physicality, and you saw that hit on Shane Bouchel in Austin last week by that West Virginia defense that really keyed that victory, 24 to 20. They brought a safety blitz and really turned the momentum in that ball game to get the victory. Offensively with Skylar Howard, that's where I have concerns. I'm not sold on his consistency as a quarterback. They're passing for 2.11, uh, and uh, excuse me, they're passing for 2.85, running for 2.11, averaging 32 points per game. If you watch this ball game last year, they moved the football against uh, Oklahoma's defense. This was the game that Carl Joseph got hurt. But Skylar Howard threw interceptions to allow Oklahoma to dominate that matchup, and that's the one thing I look at in this battle. I think they're physical. Both teams are physical. Oklahoma better, a little bit better in run support, giving up 132 rushing yards on the ground. But Oklahoma clearly has the better quarterback in this matchup.
4: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, Baker Mayfield brings something very unique to a huddle, to a locker room. Uh, Kid always plays with a chip on his shoulder. I love the attitude that he brings to the field. I think it resonates Joe to the teammates around him. He's that kind of a transcendent, influential quarterback, the leader that you want in your huddle. So I am going to have a lot of fun watching Baker Mayfield. I'm also going to have a lot of fun watching DD Westbrook against Rasul Douglas. He's a senior from New Jersey, East Orange, New Jersey in fact, and and is having a wonderful year, played very well last week in the big victory over Texas. Those two that physical corner versus the speed of D.D. Westbrook. That's one of the games within the game that I'm really – Uh, intrigued by tonight and Douglas has risen up draft boards
3: now not to look at the draft right now but he's a corner that really is is creeping up to possibly becoming the best corner in the league right now uh for NFL scouts so keep that match up I mean when you look at Westbrook overall I mean he makes every catch you could possibly imagine he catches the football at at its highest point if you give him the football in space he gets the yards after catch he has 68 receptions 1,254 yards and 14 touchdowns, but his ability to adjust to the football is what I love, and we've seen great wide receivers now over the years come out of Oklahoma, Sterling Shepard, Brian Still, I mean uh, Kenny Stills, excuse me this is what we've seen out of Bob Stoops' offense, it's been the defense that has taken hits, now they're better in run support, but they have one of the worst passing secondaries in college football, giving up 297 yards through the air, that's where West Virginia can challenge Oklahoma's defense the the problem I have with that is the inconsistency of Skylar Howard
4: yeah and he's got good receivers too that's not going to be an issue Shelton Gibson Dykel Shorts uh, you know they have quality players on the outside just to take a step back to Oklahoma and the defense and one of your original points Joe I totally agree with you I, I mean I, I think it's I think it's out of line to discuss Oklahoma as a playoff team right now. They're playing in the worst of the power five conferences. They have those two losses. They were hammered by Ohio state. So forget about moving past the Buckeyes at this point be happy if you win the big 12 title and get a new year six bowl game that's about as far as it gets i don't think even west virginia with one loss based on who they play this year would have an opportunity to elevate into the top four but that's where we are in the landscape of college
3: football because there is parity and this is the one thing i will yeah. say i don't yeah. want to, this is a college football game day show i don't want to get into what i feel about The pundits that want to expand the playoff. I do not want to see the college football season be like the college basketball regular season where it's meaningless. This is why we love college Mm -hmm. football because each and every week matters. There's been controversy for years. You can look back, a split national championship in 1990, Colorado and Georgia Tech. It happened in 97 with Michigan and, and Nebraska. It's been going on for years. There'll always be somebody left out. Keep it the way it is. Because controversy is good, and that's what makes people watch. I'm sorry. I don't want a watered-down
4: effect where the regular season is meaningless. I'm sorry. Well, and, and one quick point just to dovetail off that with, without getting too deep into the weeds. Who is the team outside of the four that's been so spectacular that you have to see them in the playoff? Right. I mean, if we had five phenomenal, unbeaten teams, I'd say, well, yeah, somebody's really getting screwed here. But when you look outside of the four in Washington, they just got hammered by USA. Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, Louisville prior to Thursday night's game, they they laid some eggs earlier in the season as well. So nobody really is – you can't make too much of an argument right now for one team beyond the top four. But I'll tell you what the arguments are. You look at a team like USC that changed its
3: quarterback from Max Brown to to Sam Darnold that's playing lights out, that is possibly one of the hottest yeah. teams in the country, but they have a lot of losses on their resume. And people will say, well, if yep. they got into the playoff, they could possibly challenge Alabama now, even though they lost that match up 52-3. And then you look at a team like LSU that's possibly – a dominant team, mm-hmm. lost to Alabama by 10 points, but really gave way in the last five minutes of that ball game. Otherwise, it might have been a touchdown game. So LSU fans yeah. are saying, well, it could have been us. But that's what makes college football so special. You need to win Correct. each and every week. This isn't the NFL. We're not trying to make it the NFL. It's just like the way that people say, well, college basketball should go to the NBA shot clock. No. It's college basketball. Keep it the way it is. If you want to yep. watch the NBA, watch the NBA. If you want to watch the NFL, watch the NFL. College football is is its own entity, and this is why we love it. I'm sorry. It's our show. This is the way we're talking about it. We're keeping the four teams. We're not expanding the rest of the year or beyond. Four teams for the re- from now to eternity, Rich. That's what we're doing in the college
4: football playoff. I said it. It's over. Uh yeah, I'm, ha- I'm happy with four. I didn't like two. I didn't like two, to be honest with you. Now with four, it's not like you don't get a mulligan. You do get a mulligan, particularly if you lose early in the year. You could still battle your way back to the playoffs, but... Yeah, USC, you have three losses. I love this team. I love what Clay Helton has done, but uh, you, know, you have three losses. Get ready for the uh, Holiday Bowl. Yeah, let's talk about a
3: a really good Big Ten battle, and I really love this game. It's Northwestern and Minnesota. Northwestern now, back-to-back road games. They dominated Purdue and West Lafayette, got that victory uh, by double digits over uh, the Boilermakers. They now go to Minnesota. I love the way this team plays. A blue-collar team. They're rushing for 197 yards on the ground only giving up 122 yards on the ground to opposing offenses, plus 11 in turnover margin, Rich. They get the mild upset by double digits later today.
4: You're calling for Minnesota. Yes, yes, I love Minnesota yeah, here. Yeah, no, I, I like Minnesota. Yeah, I like Minnesota as well. I, I think Minnesota bounces back. I like the way this team is constructed. Blue-collar defense, Rodney Smith on the ground. Uh, Mitch Leidner does his Taysom Hill impression every week. You know, physical runner but can't throw worth a lick. Uh, but I think it'll be enough. Yeah. I, I like Northwestern. I think Pat has done a nice job. They have good talent. Not enough, though, to win uh, uh, in Minneapolis. We'll
3: take a quick break. This is Joe Lisi, Ritz-Armonello, live from New York. Keep it where it is. Back on the College Football Game Day Show, right here from Rock and Riley's live in the Big Apple Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Rich, a couple of intriguing ACC battles: Virginia Tech and Notre Dame. My heart tells me to take Virginia Tech in this battle, but I can't. I that the way they lost that game to Georgia Tech last week, thirty to twenty, very inconsistent. I just think Notre Dame will exploit their secondary. I'm not sold on Notre Dame either, but I think they have a little more consistency heading into this matchup and. I I look for the Fighting Irish to get a mild uh, ten-point victory over the Hokies, even though I want to root for Virginia Tech in this ball game.
4: Yeah, Notre Dame with a little bit of uh, wind at its back, much needed, albeit against Army last week. They have a bit of confidence still uh, with a shot, mathematically, if they win their final two of appearing in a bowl game. I don't know if that even motivates the Irish at this point to be six and six and to be in a middling bowl game, but. I really was disturbed by how Virginia Tech played last week. I mean, that was a must-win against a Georgia Tech team that was out without their starting quarterback, Justin Thomas, and they simply did not deliver. So I'm going to take Notre Dame as well. Deshaun Kaiser has a big day, and they get to 5-6. and six. And here's the thing when you look at both of these teams. I think this is going to be
3: a very high-scoring game because of their playmakers on both sides of the ball. We mentioned Kaiser. You look at Virginia Tech. I mean, they're, they're loaded with offensive weapons. Isaiah Ford, Cam Phillips, McMillan, the running back. And, and my favorite player, who's going to be a great pro, tight end slash hybrid wide receiver, Bucky Hodges, the way you can utilize him in terms of nickelbacks and linebackers, I think when you look at this matchup overall, Virginia Tech will put up points, but so will Notre Dame. I think the defenses will be non-existent. Both teams giving up over 180 passing yards per game. Notre Dame giving up 183 on the ground. V Tech 144. I, I think it- I think they cracked through today. I think both offenses are, are lighted up uh, later today in South Bend.
4: Yeah, Equinemius, uh, St. Brown, has been a breakout star this year. We talk about the negative when it comes to Notre Dame, but uh, St. Brown has been dynamic as a wide receiver. You still have Josh Adams in the backfield. I love the trench battle, Joe. You know how I like the offensive line versus defensive line. The D-line of Virginia Tech versus that big physical N-D offensive line should be one to watch this afternoon. We're going to take a quick break, excuse me, and then when we come back we'll break down the other games in the
3: ACC. Wake Forest-Clemson is on our. Keep it where it is. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live from New York, Fantasy Sports Radio Network, coming right back at you.
1: You're listening to College Football Game Day on SB Nation Radio. Here are your
3: hosts, Rich Sermonello and Joe Lisi. Back on College Football Game Day right here from the Fantasy Sports Radio Network in Rockin' Riley's Sports Bar. Great place to watch college football. There's a more key Pac 12 battle. Washington State, Colorado doesn't get better than that. We have a big, big big-time player from Wazoo. He's live on the Progressive Celebrity Hotline. want to welcome in former Washington State safety, former NFL safety with the New York Jets and Detroit Lions, and Pac-12 analyst Eric Coleman. Eric, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing this morning? Doing well. What a matchup! Wazzu versus Colorado has huge Pac-12 implications. What has the mad scientist done in recent years that he starts off slow, Eric, but somehow, some way, this team catches fire and peaks at just the right time at the end of the year?
2: Well, you know, he he's done a great job. You know, earlier in the year, they they weren't playing well. They lost to Eastern Washington at home for the season opener. Uh, then they went to Boise State and lost a close game, but and then uh, Mike Leach called them out, said they were soft, uh, questioned their, their their you know their willingness to to go the extra mile, and they responded ever since. You know I, I got the opportunity to call that next game when they played Idaho, and it was just a beatdown. You know it, the message that he sent to that team really got across, and they responded well. and, and Let's see if they can keep going and, and finish through the season.
4: Eric, Rich Sermonello. I I think uh, watching Mike Leach's offenses, whether it was Texas Tech or Washington State, we make this assumption that there's an endless supply of quality receivers. River Craycraft is now injured, out. How much does that hurt the continuity of the offense?
2: Well, it it definitely hurts the the continuity. River was a guy who... Who was fearless going across the middle? He was—he's uh, kind of like their their tight end, if you will. You know, he, he's making those intermediate catches going across the middle. He's fearless, and he's a leader on the team. So uh, they're going to need some of the other guys to step up. I know Gabe Marks has been a—you know—he's he, one of the, the Pac-12 all-time leading receivers. But Tavars Martin has stepped up, and, and one thing that's been great about Washington State when they've had their success, they've ran the ball well. You know, they had—they run by committee. They have three great running backs, uh, three young guys. Who, who do a good job of, of running the football. And I know Mike Leach isn't known for running the football, but that's something that they've done exceptionally well to t- kind of take the load off of Luke Falk's shoulders.
3: That's exactly where I was going when you mentioned those running backs. I mean, uh, James Williams, Jamal War- uh, Morrow, and Ger- Gerard Wicks have combined – For 106 receptions, 21 rushing touchdowns, but Washington State, Eric, is rushing for 132 yards on the ground. Last year, they were up in the area of 80 yards per game. People don't think that's a big statistic, but it allows Mike Leach in that offense with Luke Falk to control the tempo and give their defense a rest. And I think that's why you're seeing a defense that's been dominant at times, especially in run support. Absolutely.
2: You know, running the football, you know, it doesn't just help your offense. You know, it helps you move the chains. It keeps the defense honest. I know at the beginning of the year, they were facing a lot of uh, three man rushes and the teams were dropping eight men in coverage. And that was making it very difficult for Luke Falk to move the ball down the field. Now that they have that run game established, they're going to rip teams apart. If you choose to rush three, they're going to run the football. If you rush four, bring five, they're going to make you pay against the pass. So that that's something that, that adds to what they can do on offense. And like you mentioned, on defense, it gives those guys an opportunity to get a rest. You know, Luke Falk and, and that offense run down the field so fast and efficiently that the defense doesn't really get time to to, to rejuvenate. You know, it to get some rest and to, to, to get together and, and make their adjustments. So... Uh, the defense has responded well. Uh, Alex Grinch has done a great job over there. Shalom Luwani is a, is a player who's who's been very versatile the safetys played some linebacker for him, and just just a, a phenomenal ball hawk. So they have a lot of talent over there on defense, but it's uh, a lot of the credit goes to that offense and that running game.
4: Eric, you touched on exactly where I was going, which is Alex Grinch, uh, such an instrumental figure over the past, two seasons last year really did a great job with the defense this year as well can you talk a little bit about that side of the ball which doesn't get nearly enough credit obviously as the offense does
2: yeah well i mean their, their defense uh like you mentioned alex grinch is an is a aggressive coach he he preaches turnovers he wants them to get the ball back to the offense so they can get get the ball in the best position as possible but you know they they also have some great coaching you know they have they have great coaching staff i know grinch coaches the safety but, you know, the, the defensive line coach, you know, he, he's an he's a NFL veteran. He gets a lot of the players out of uh, American Samoa. You know, they, they, when de- their defensive line has been very effective. Her- Hercules Mata'afa is an emerging star. So th- there's a lot of players on that, on that Washington State defense that, that, that can make plays for you and, and have really stepped up. So, uh, you know, to be a, an alum of Washington State is very exciting. You know, also, you know, on the other side of this matchup, Colorado – Mike, um, excuse me, I I played for their coach. Mike McIntyre was was my secondary coach when I played for the Jets, and and I got a chance to call his game, and he's – and he's been doing a great job over there as well. So it's going to be an interesting matchup this week.
3: When you look at this Colorado team, and I love what Mike McIntyre has done because he's a blue-collar type of guy, Eric, and you could elaborate on that. I, I feel like he preaches a physicality on the offense and defense lines. You look at his team now with Cephal Lufau, their quarterback. He's a mobile guy, consistent passer that has completed 67% of his passes. But Colorado has playmakers as well. Phillip Lindsay, their running back, and Shea Fields and Devon Ross, their wide Receivers. I mean, how do you feel, Washington State, your game plan to shut down this Colorado offense that's averaging 35 points per game?
2: Well, I mean, I think to start, just like every other every defense, you have to start with stopping the run and try to make the team one dimensional. You know, Philip Lindsay has had a great career at Colorado. He does a good job of moving the sticks. He can also catch the ball out of the backfield. If you can start with shutting him down, then then that's that's a great start. But the main thing on defense. Is eliminating the big plays, Eliminate the chunk plays, make that offense methodically go down the field, and that gives you more opportunities to create turnovers, to get after the quarterback, and and, and ultimately help your team.
4: Any concerns about Luke going up against that Colorado secondary? Chidobe Awuzie, uh, again, another underrated player uh, who has NFL aspirations. Last time that that you guys played UCLA, struggled against the, the Bruins secondary. How about today against Colorado?
2: Yeah, I mean, they pose a, a, a big problem for Washington State's offense. This is, a, this is a defensive secondary that can match man-to-man against, against Washington State's receivers. You know, as you mentioned, uh, Chido Bae-Wuzie is a, is a very good player, very physical, very good in coverage. Does a good job of coming in and playing the nickel. He can play outside. He can, come, he can play safety. You know, he can do it all. Um, Oliver is another corner who, who's very versatile, very good athlete. Um, and they, they really have a great scheme. You know, Mike, McIner- Mac, Mike McIntyre is a defensive-minded guy, and you know that defense is, is really humming in the right direction. So uh, it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a tough matchup for Washington State. One of the biggest tests they've had this season. So um, if they can get past this one, they're going to do some do some great things in the season.
3: Eric, great information. You're a good friend, and I know you're a New York guy, so when you're in town, please join us in the studio. we got a great brand-new studio right here in Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We hope you enjoyed it today.
2: Absolutely. I loved it, and I would love to stop by. I appreciate you having me.
3: That's former. Washington State, big play safety Rich, Eric Coleman, that guy was one of the hardest hitters in Wazoo history this team has started 7-0 in conference for the first time since 2002 when Jason Gesser and Eric Coleman were there in Pullman, we'll take a quick break when Rich and I come back, we'll be going rapid fire, top 25 matchups, Ohio State, Michigan State, Clemson and Wake Forest, we're just getting started keep it where it is, Joe Lisi, Ritzer. Manello Fantasy Sports Radio Network coming right back back on college football game day right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network some other intriguing battles within the Big Ten and ACC Rich We were talking about Minnesota and Northwestern. I really feel strongly about Minnesota. I think they're going to blow out Northwestern a little bit later today. I think it is double digits. We talked about Virginia Tech and Notre Dame. Want to touch on this one. From a point spread perspective, all eyes on Michigan looking to blow out Indiana. But Indiana played Michigan very tough last year. Pushed them to a triple overtime game where Jake Rudock and the crew had to pull it out. I look for Logo and Redding and Jones to push the envelope today, especially with John O'Corn at quarterback for the Wolverines.
4: I'll take those points. How many How many am I getting? 24 in this one, and a hook. I'll absolutely take those points. I have Michigan winning by 18, 34 to 16. And it's not just the quarterback situation. I think there's good. Look at what you have in the rearview mirror The emotional loss to Iowa. Up ahead is Ohio State. Now you have to face Indiana, which has been feisty all year long. Love their linebackers led by Tegray Scales. The Michigan offense looked horrible. I don't think that changes today. They might get a defensive score or two. But I would take that twenty-four. Yeah, I think this and game is hook. going to be close. I think Michigan wins, but
3: I do think Indiana because I think they feel they can play with Michigan. I really do. I think they felt that last year. They've played with everybody. They have they played with everybody. That was this a great year. call. You you yeah. like Penn State, but I mean
4: Penn State did win that ball game, but by fourteen they got a late score on the last play. Doesn't of the game. matter. But doesn't they, matter. That was lucky. That was lucky. Indiana played with Penn State. I was actually wrong on that one because I thought Penn State would have dominated. Indiana was in that game to the end. It looked worse than it was. Same thing with Ohio State. Indiana hung with Ohio State even though the final score yeah, was thirty. I think to he's doing a great this has been job. A very well coached team. Yeah, he's doing a great job. Underrated head
3: coach and Kevin Wilson. Here's an upset. I just think defensively, if you watch this ball game last year with Chad Kelly, Vanderbilt lost that ball game by eleven points. They have game film on Shea Patterson now. They're fighting to become mm-hmm. bowl eligible. I think Vanderbilt strikes the upset. They're catching ten in Oxford later tonight. We have about thirty seconds. Hold off on that. Hold yeah. off. I'll, I'll get, yeah. No, who do you like though? Just quickly before we go to break. I like Ole Miss. Yeah, we'll we'll break this game down when we come back from break. You look at Ole Miss, they're averaging 35 points per game, giving up 31. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, live from Rock and Rollies. Keep it where it is. We're coming right back.
1: You're listening to College Football Game Day on SB Nation Radio. Here are your hosts, Rich Sermonello and Joe Lisi.
3: Rolling into the last two segments of the show, we have some great games on tap right here on College Football Game Day live from Rock and Riley's. Rich, a classic Big Ten battle, Ohio State and Michigan State. Michigan State has won three of the last five by five points per game. But I really like Ohio State in this matchup. I think they're more physical on the offensive defensive lines. I think their offense that's uh, converting 52% on third down conversions gets it done against a porous Michigan State defense. I think Ohio State rolls. I'm calling for about a 28 to 20, 35 point victory Mm -hmm. later today in East Lansing. Don't buy the hype that 49 to nothing whitewash of Rutgers last week.
4: But I do think that game at least gets them off the schneid, kind of clears the head a little bit. They have a victory, just a, a wee bit of momentum, even at 3-7. and seven. I, I don't think Michigan State wins this game, but certain teams, as you know, certain coaches like Mark D'Antonio just have the number of another program. D'Antonio has always coached very well against Ohio State, has ruined their season in the past. I think it'll be slightly more competitive, again, especially with Ohio State looking ahead to the Wolverines next week. So I have it 38-19, to a comfortable Ohio State victory, but I would be inclined to take the points here.
3: Here's wh- here's why I think Ohio State wins. I did two statistics this week. I broke this game down in a lot greater detail. Michigan State is minus three in turnover margin for the first time since 2009 when they were minus six they entered this ball game with only 12 takeaways compared to last year they had 28 takeaways in 2014 they had 34 takeaways you look at that defensive front seven 10 games seven sacks If you can't get pressure on JT Barrett, you can't force turnovers in a big game like this, you're not going to win the ball game. And more importantly, you look at Ohio State's defense over the last couple of games and dominating victories over Nebraska and Maryland, they held both of those opponents to 60 rushing yards per game, 129 passing yards per game, no touchdowns rushing, no touchdowns passing, three INTs forced. I mean, that's a dominant effort. And and now they got to be going into East Lansing going, okay, you knocked us out of the playoff last year, 17-14. to 14. We're not overlooking you this year. You're a little bit down. We're going to look to throttle you later today. That's that's my opinion when I look at this matchup.
4: Okay. No, you, you bring up fair points. I just think that Ohio State's going to have a difficult time getting amped up for such a bad Spartan team on the road, looking ahead to the big one next week against Michigan so I don't know if you're going to get four quarters of pristine football like you have the last couple of weeks with those back-to-back 62-3 to victories. So I I think Michigan State hangs on. Listen, I'm I'm not going to be a proponent for Michigan State. They're horrible this year. That's obvious. (laughs) I just think that maybe it's slightly less than three touchdowns. That that would be my
3: prediction. It was Upset City last Saturday and I was on a bunch of those with Georgia. Mm -hmm. I loved Iowa and Pittsburgh, but I tell you what, not a lot of upset specials this week, but here is my My upset special, creme de la creme. Creme de la creme of the day, okay? Missouri. Are you going FCS on us? Uh, No FCS. No FCS. This is (laughs) big-time man football here. SEC, Missouri on the road in Mm. Neelands. Now watch this. I'm expecting LSU to hammer Florida at 1 o'clock, right? So Florida technically... Could be on the outside looking in for the SEC East. Now, all the pressure then would be on Josh Dobbs and Tennessee to win this matchup later today against Missouri. Not going to be easy. Let me tell you why. Did you know in that victory against Kentucky last week, Tennessee allowed 443 rushing yards? to the Wildcats, that's four and a half football fields uh, in terms of rushing the, uh, offense mm-hmm. that they allowed in that victory, 49 to 36. Now, Missouri's 3-7. and seven. They have a first-year head coach, their former D coordinator, Barry Odom, but two weeks ago, they went on the road to South Carolina, lost that matchup, 31-21. to 21. Okay, they lost that ball game to Will Muschamp and the Gamecocks. They put up 465 yards of total offense. They followed that up again last week at home where they could have quit. They got a 26 to 17 victory over a gutty Vanderbilt team. They put up 481 yards of total offense. They could have quit. They won that ball game. They're loose now. They have nothing to lose, and they're playing for their first year head coach because you see the offensive progression against two solid defenses. Two defenses, in my opinion, that are much better than Tennessee's defense. I think Missouri strikes the upset today, thirty-three to thirty over Josh Dobbs and the crew. I'm not sold on Tennessee in a big spot.
4: Joe, can you scooch over? Because I think you just sold me. I'm gonna I'm gonna get on the bandwagon with you. You like? Is you there, see that? Is there is room on the. There is room. I do Come like on. it. I'll tell I got you, the I'll tell you bus what. here Go all right. Scooch over. I might have to sit on your lap for a bit if there's well, if there's too much uh, space on on the Mizzou bench. This is like, a family show. A this is a family show here. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. It's like Santa Claus. We'll have our photo taken. Uh, uh, Drew Drew Locke playing well this year. Demaryius Crockett. A true freshman running back. He has now really fueled that running game for Missouri. So they are heading in the right direction. And Tennessee has been so bizarre and inconsistent this year, it would not surprise me in the least if they know that they have an opportunity to wrap up the division and absolutely fumble it away. The one other thing is, if that happens, what does Butch Jones' future look like? I was I mean, going be there. something fascinating to discuss next week. Yeah, yeah, that's
3: exactly where I was going because, again, you look at the coaching uh, – Turnstile per se, or carousel, as they like to say. You look at Jimbo Fisher; they have three losses. You look at Bob Stoops, who's been mentioned in some jobs; they have two losses. Who are you going to get? I, I mean, if you're a team like Boston College you want to get rid of Adazio, who are you going to get? I mean, there's so much mediocrity in college football now because mm-hmm. of parity well, that you can't say that unless this you go to guy, the
4: NFL. I- Yeah, I I could see certain teams like a Boston College looking at an NFL coordinator and trying to elevate a program in that fashion. I agree with you. Even the Tom Hermans had the big win last week. He's got a couple of losses despite the fact that he's so hot. P.J. Fleck is somebody who's going to have an opportunity to be promoted. But look for NFL coaches. To get into the mix for some of these openings that exist right now and will exist in the coming weeks.
3: Yeah, here's another game that I feel strongly about Clemson and Wake Forest. A lot of people expecting to let down. Clemson won this ballgame by 20 points last year uh, in Death Valley. Wake Forest played very well. They had a 12 to nothing lead on Lamar Jackson and Louisville before they lost that ballgame by 32 points. And, and that's where I look at for this matchup. Wake Forest struggles with speed teams. They struggled early, earlier in the year with NC. State. They struggled in the fourth quarter with Lamar Jackson and Brandon Radcliffe. I think they're going to be a tired football team. I don't think Clemson will take them lightly. I don't expect Clemson to just win this ball game. I expect Deshaun Watson and that offense to start right where they left off against Pittsburgh, and what I mean by that is to put pressure on Wake Forest's offense to respond. Wake Forest allowing over 200 yards passing per game, and that's the recipe to beat this team because if you allow them to run and dictate tempo could be a long day but i think clemson throttles them by 30 points or more later today in in salem
4: i disagree with your notion that wake forest struggles with speed teams i'll go back to october the 15th against florida state tons of speed only gave up 17 points the louisville game last week again i know it was 44 to 12 ultimate speed team led by lamar jackson that was a twelve nothing game at the end of the third quarter. Now the floodgates opened up. Wasn't all offensive. There were some turnovers that led to touchdowns as well. They have the defensive talent led by Jesse Bates on the back end, Duke Edgios four up front, to contain Clemson. I, I, I'm I'm not sold on Clemson. I think this is a closer game than Vegas thinks. I have it thirty to thirteen. What's your final score on this one, Joe? I think Clemson honestly puts a, could put up a fifty
3: spot on on Wake today. I do. Nah, I, I, not
4: not 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 in Winston-Salem. They're so well coached. I don't think i un- I understand I that. I, and I understand what you're saying about, about the speed
3: the speed teams. Here's what I look at when I look at the Florida mm-hmm. State matchup. I wasn't sold at Florida State at that point in the season either. And they never challenged Wake in that ball game uh, uh, vertically. I mean, if you watch that ball game, they allowed Wake Forest to dictate the tempo. They wanted to run Dalvin Cook between the tackles and rest up heading into their bye week. I mean, the one game where I think they struggled where they got stretch vertically was in the NC State game. So, I mean, again, Louisville's been very inconsistent. They turn it on, they turn it off. Uh, so, I don't know when I gauge that matchup. Uh, again, I I look at the fourth quarter as being the real gauge for me and how Wake broke down. But we'll get back into this at the back end of the break, Rich. When you look at this battle, Clemson averaging 38 points per game, Wake averaging 20 points per game, Clemson 18 points per game on defense, Wake 21. We'll take a quick break. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live from New York. Back on College Football Game Day right here from Rock and Riley's Fantasy Sports Radio Network. When Rich and I left off, we were talking about the marquee late night battle. Ole Miss and Vanderbilt were bucking heads here. Rich, you like Ole Miss. I like Vanderbilt because of the defensive scheme. How do you see it playing out later tonight?
4: Yeah, and I would say I like Ole Miss. I don't love this game because I see your point about the, the motivation for Vanderbilt. Really like that defense led by Zach Cunningham. Derek Mason has done a nice job defensively. Offensively, though, I don't think they keep up with Ole Miss. Ole Miss has a little bit of momentum, still have a shot to play in the postseason. And I think Eufries really, really wants that postseason opportunity, 15 practices, four quarters, to continue coaching Shea Patterson. He provided a spark last week did have a little bit of that Johnny Manziel flash to him. He'll struggle against Vanderbilt, but he'll make enough big plays to outscore Kyle Shermer in the Vanderbilt offense. Well,
3: they took the redshirt uh, tag off of him because they needed him after uh, Chad Kelly's injury. I mean, they really needed him to step up. But we haven't heard about Hugh Freeze possibly being on the chopping block. He was more on the chopping block when they had three losses. Now that he's got five, we don't seem to hear him mm. mentioned in, any, in terms of uh, job security at this
4: point do we that would be a disaster i I mean talk about a team that would struggle to trade up that would be it i mean he's done a fantastic job in terms of securing talent he's really excelled on signing day he's he's made old miss relevant again just another case of a good coach having a bad season i'll say it's like mark d'antonio good coach bad season Let's move on and try to regroup next next year. Yeah, we'll see
3: how that game plays out. That's an 8 o'clock game. Rich looking for Ole Miss to keep the momentum rolling. I like Vanderbilt to get the upset. Another intriguing battle, Rich. Uh, I want to say intriguing because the, the matchups are a little bit limited, but upset special for me. Oregon somehow, some way keeps this game a lot closer than people think, and I look for the look ahead, Utah to Colorado. The Ducks could be in striking range in Salt Lake City around 2, 2 p.m. Eastern time later today.
4: I would be impressed if Mark Helfrich can have his kids motivated at this point. It's uncharted waters at 3-7, and seven, no chance of a postseason. All they're really playing for now is the Civil War next week against Oregon State. Utah has finally found some offensive punch. I think that's what leads them through this game in Eugene and, and on to, actually, it's in Salt Lake City, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you're really nuts for picking <laughs> for Oregon in this one. We'll keep it where I'm it is. I'm thinking if ju- We'll keep
3: it where it is. <laughs> Stay ahead. with us. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello.
1: You're listening to College Football Game Day on SB Nation Radio. Here are your hosts, Rich Sermonello and Joe Lisi.
3: Back on College Football Game Day right here from the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Breaking news. This is why you have to listen to the show. From our good friend in Baton Rouge, Matt Moscana. just texted me... Luke Del Rio did not make the trip for Florida. He is not there for the Gators. Austin Appleby will get the start, Rich. I don't think it matters because I even thought with Luke Del Rio at the helm, LSU would roll, but now this puts a lot more pressure on that Florida offensive line to open up holes in the running game.
4: I have more breaking news for you. Tommy Armstrong will not play today against Maryland. Wow, look at this. This, A bit of a surprise. This is
3: why you have to stay with us between 10 and 12, because this is the info that you need. I still like uh, Nebraska in that matchup, though. I think they're way too physical. Offensive, defensive lines. And if you've watched Maryland play, they have major quarterback problems. Perry Hills is banged up as well. So uh, I still think all things being equal, I like LSU. I like Nebraska in both of those games. I think nothing changes, in my opinion. But breaking news, Tommy Armstrong will not... Is a concussion protocol? What is it?
4: Do we know? Yeah, well, he's... Uh, I'm just... I'm looking now. It's just... Uh now hamstring injury, actually hamstring injury. So a fifth-year senior Riker Fife, who does have experience, will be under center. He's got a hammy problem.
3: Okay, so we'll keep that in mind in the breakdowns. You could tweet us if you don't have a game that we did not cover. Tweet us at Go for the Two at Rich Manello. That's C I R M I N I E L L O. Tweet me at Go for the Two. The number two will answer as much questions as possible. Let's get into the big uh, Pac-12 game, Washington. Colorado, I still think without River Craycraft, I think the offensive scheme of Washington State and the better quarterback, in my opinion, in Luke Falk, gets it done. They have an opportunistic defense, plus 10 in turnover margin, calling for the Wash State victory on the road in Boulder, 28-24. to They move on to the Apple Cup unscathed in the Pac-12.
4: Would be enormous for Mike Leach and, and for the Washington State program. I'm on the other side, though. I, I like Colorado 35-30, to 30, a little more scoring. Uh, Colorado at home, balanced on offense. But here's the key for me. They have a finally a Pac-12 defense, better than a Pac-12 defense. They can get it done up front with Jimmy Gilbert. They can get it done on the back end with the pass defense. Now, you're not going to shut down Luke Falk and Gabe Marks. I understand that. But as I mentioned with Eric Coleman a month ago, UCLA gave a lot of problems to Luke Falk. And I expect that to happen today. I think he has a mediocre afternoon. The winner of the day is going to be the Colorado D, 35 35- to 30 buffs. There
3: hasn't been this... Ralphie will
4: run today. Ralphie (laughs) will run.
3: This hasn't been this much fanfare for both of these programs. I mean, Wash State had the success with Jason Gesser in in 2002. They went to -to back-to-back some bowls. I I mean, they went to the Rose Bowl one year. Uh, They played Oklahoma. Uh, You look at Colorado with Gary Barnett. It it was the early part of the decade with Bobby Purify. And I mean, that's how much excitement is surrounding this program. You could even go late in uh, 19 1980s and uh, 1990s with Colorado quarterback Bobby Pesavento. Joel Klatt was there a little bit later, but I mean, uh, Earl Charles was there, but there hasn't been this much excitement surrounding Boulder since about 10 years now. So I love to see
4: this. This is what makes the game so yeah, special for us, right? I mean, I totally agree. No, I love it. I love it because we get accustomed to the same teams year in and year out—the Stanford's, the Oregon's, the USC's—in terms of the Pac-12. Colorado has natural liabilities natural hurdles that other programs don't such as poor facilities they don't have the same athletic budget of other uh, teams in the pac-12 they don't recruit as well as other teams in the pac-12 and here is mike mcintyre one of my leading candidates for 2016 coach of the year at eight and two with an opportunity to win the pac-12 south this is what makes college football so exceptionally fun
3: yeah I mean I can 't think I grew up loving Colorado and, and for those that think I, I'm a Colorado hater I'm not I used to love Eric Bimy it was my favorite running back mm-hmm. him and Carlos Snow from uh, Ohio State I mean Robert Edwards from Georgia I had those guys in the early 90s that I grew up watching Darian Hagan was another one I mean the list goes on and on for the Michael Buffalo Westbrook oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah I mean yeah. so this is this is what I love about college football but when I look at this game objectively. For me, I think the more balanced team offensively and defensively, and the momentum for me is Wash State because they have the explosiveness. Now, I know Lufau. I know Lindsey. I just think they're a much a more complete, experienced team, and they've been there. They were 9-4 and four last year and went to the Sun Bowl where Colorado, this is uncharted waters for them, so to speak. Still a young team under Mike McIntyre, but we'll see how it plays out. A great matchup on Fox three. 3- 30 a little bit later today one more game that we really haven't touched on it's a rivalry game but uh, usc and ucla i think usc rolls i think they're a more dominant team i know the numbers sort of suggest that ucla will be in this matchup uh they've played very well but again you know when you look at this game, Sam Darnold is the difference for me. 68% completion percentage, 22 touchdowns, six interceptions, and the physicality is back on the defensive side of the ball for me, especially in run support with USC only giving up 139 yards on the ground. They're laying 14 points. I think I think they win this ball game by 20, Rich.
4: Yeah, I disagree. I'm taking the points. I had this game 30-21, to 21, USC. I don't expect the Trojans to lose. But for UCLA, this is their proverbial bowl game. USC coming off the big Washington win last week. And for all the problems that the Bruins have had, defense has not really been one of them. The secondary is outstanding. How about this stat before we go to the break? 17 consecutive quarters Without allowing a touchdown pass. So, this will be an interesting test for Sam Darnold. It
3: will. When you look at USC, they're averaging 31 points per game. UCLA averaging 27 points per game. USC giving up 22 ucla 25 we'll see how it plays out for rich Sermonello. this is joe lisi for our great producer pete considori have a great weekend enjoy the week uh the games stay with us each and every saturday fantasy sports radio network have a great weekend everyone Back on College Football Game Day right here in Rockin' Riley's. We're turning New York City into a college football town, Rich. I watch the games each and every Saturday here. Come and visit me. I'll get you involved in college football. I'm here till about 5 o'clock every day. Rich, we haven't talked about this game in the SEC. It's an under-the-radar game, Arkansas and Miss State. I like Miss State at home in Starkville. Very difficult place to play. And where's the mindset from the Razorbacks after getting whooped? 38-10 Thirty-eight to ten by LSU last week.
4: Yeah, ultimate inconsistent team. I I think Dan Mullen still has his kids motivated. I really like the future of Nick Fitzgerald when he's not playing against Alabama offensively. So I think it's Fitzgerald over Austin Allen, who's still not 100%. I agree with you. Go Bulldogs. Yeah, we'll go rapid fire. Are fo- the drinks
3: on you at Rock and Riley's, by
4: the way? I, I drink think, coffee, I think you so you said no, no alcoholic
3: beverages for All me. The drinks I, I'm on Joe. geared into caffeine and protein when I watch college football. That's it. I'm geared in. I'm locked in from now until about 3 o'clock in the morning. I watch every game I could possibly get, Rich. I'm a maniac when it comes to college football. You know that. Uh, <laughs> let, here we go. Let's go, Rapid fire here, rapid fire. We yeah. have to do this. Penn yep. State, Rutgers, <laughs> uh, you, you need to have your head examined if you're playing this game, number one. Number two, if you're taking Rutgers, don't even watch the game because you you might be disappointed. I could see you taking Rutgers,
4: but I would take Penn State with laying the big number yeah. uh, in Piscataway. You're saying that recruits in the region are not paying much attention to this game? <laughs> Uh, this is not something that's going to affect signing day. Now, Penn State in a blowout. I can't talk about Rutgers anymore. Yeah,
3: uh, uh, enough uh, of that. Here's an, another under the enough. radar. G-
4: <laughs> Here's a game
3: I like. Are you ready? Uh, uh, Tulane yeah. to cover the points against Temple because of their ability to run the football. Get into a low scoring game uh, at three thirty today.
4: I have a hard time betting against Temple right now. I mean, Matt has them playing very well offensively and defensively. I'll, I'll, I'll take the Owls over Tulane. All right, one more.
3: Oregon State covers the number against Arizona. Arizona one in nine against the spread in Vegas. I hate the job that Rich Rod is doing. I'll, I'll take Oregon State to lay th- to to win this the
4: game. Battle to stay out of the basement. This is this is to see who the worst team in the Pac-12 is. I agree with you. Oregon State playing much better than Arizona if, right now.
3: If there is a game we haven't covered tweet us at go for the two at rich Sermonello. stay with us each and every saturday right here on the fantasy sports radio network from 10 to 12 p.m eastern time we have you covered for your college football tailgate for our great producer pete Considori. have a great weekend everyone enjoy the games college football is the best we just love talking about it